This episode was recorded at 10 a.m. on October 2nd, 2018. The Kavanaugh nomination saga continues amidst allegations of sexual assault in an FBI investigation. Professor John Graby, director of the Warren B. Rudman Center, joins me to discuss. You're listening to the UNH Law Podcast. Learn more about the law school and apply by visiting law.unh.edu. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire. So, John, basically the whole nomination process has been derailed by the allegations of sexual assault from Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. Uh, can you give a quick overview of the current status of the nomination process? Yes. Yeah, as, we, as we sit here this morning, um, uh, the uh, FBI uh, has been tasked with reopening its investigation uh, to look into allegations of um, um, sexual assault uh, by the nominee. Um, the last week, there was, of course, uh, a hearing that was that was widely watched nationally, uh, where uh, first Dr. Blasey Ford uh, gave her account uh, of what happened to her um, uh, back in high school, or what she says happened to her back in high school, and then Judge Kavanaugh uh, uh, was uh, was given an opportunity to re- to respond, um, and um, the Judiciary Committee uh, voted uh, at the end of last week um, along party lines to advance his nomination to the floor. But one member of that Judiciary Committee, uh, Senator Jeff Flake, who's going to be retiring by Jeff Flake from Arizona, who was actually in New Hampshire last night, um, uh, made clear that he would only vote uh, uh, to uh, confirm if uh, an FBI investigation uh, was done uh, to look into these uh, allegations uh, that have uh, arisen relatively late in the process. Why wasn't the FBI brought in earlier? I mean, why? It, se- it seems kind of weird that we're, they were waiting on President Trump or the uh, Judicial Committee to, say, investigate this. I mean, there was allegations of crim- something criminal happening. Why didn't they jump in already? Well, the, I think they, they did an investigation. I mean, they've done a number of investigations of Judge Kavanaugh. Um, they did investigations when he was, uh, you know, first went to work for the federal government. He's been in the federal government for a long time. He's a many background checks. That's right. I think I recall seeing that he's had six different background yeah, checks. Something like that. Um, and so, you know, the FBI, I, I, I gather, thought that its its work was done when it concluded the last background check uh, um, as he was nominated uh, for elevation to the Supreme Court. You know, I think given the fact that, that these allegations came up sort of in the middle of the process, um, it really, uh, it, the FBI wouldn't really have a freestanding warrant on its own to begin investigating unless they, of course, believed that they were coming into possession of, of uh, information about uh, a federal crime, something that's within their jurisdiction. Um, and uh, although the behavior testified to, uh, if true, uh, would amount to criminal behavior, it wouldn't be federal criminal behavior anyway. Yeah, that's anyway. another kind of thing that's kind of weird about this. Right, it so their investigation like... is not really for, for purposes of looking into uh, uh, ultimate uh, criminal charges by the federal government, but rather for purposes of, uh, of rounding out the background check of somebody who's going to be giving a, given a life appointment on the U.S. Supreme Court. With allegations like this of a, ju- a nominee for Supreme 
Supreme Court. One of the dividing opinions is whether it should be handled with due process with a presumption of innocence, like in a regular criminal court, uh, versus just a super intense job interview with none of those presumptions, and it's whatever people feel like asking questions about. I mean, is there a standard for this? Is there a precedent? No. I mean, uh, you know, uh, certainly if if a prosecution were to be initiated, then, um, you know, the criminal due process standards would apply and you'd need to establish uh, guilt beyond a reasonable doubt before you could convict somebody of a crime. Um, this is rather um, issue framing, uh, competing issue framing by advocates. Um, uh, on the one hand, those who want to confirm Judge Kavanaugh, and it's quite clear that uh, the vast majority of Republicans uh, would like to confirm him to the Supreme Court. Uh, they are advocating for um, use of you know criminal uh, standards um, because you know when you use those standards, it's it's it would it'd be extraordinarily hard to convict somebody of a crime based on allegations that are 30 some years old. Um, so, um, you know, when you start with the premise that that's what needs to happen, that leads to the conclusion that, you know, the, that, that the burden um, has not been carried to deprive him of this seat. On the other side, um, persons are saying, look, we're talking about a seat on the United States Supreme Court. Nobody has an entitlement to this. Uh, we as a country uh, want to be careful and make sure that we are um, uh, elevating somebody who's an appropriate candidate, um, it's a job interview. Um, and if, you know, if you got information about an applicant for a job at your own place of employment that suggested that this person, you know, has the history that uh, these allegations paint, uh, well, then that would, of course, give you pause. Um, and the argument is it should give you give a special pause. Um, we're talking about, again, a lifetime appointment to the United States Supreme Court. Yeah. And this is something we've talked about before and kind of leads into is, um, how politicized this makes the court appear, even though technically it's not supposed to. It's supposed to be an independent branch that goes off of the, the judicial process instead of the legislative process. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't. I mean, this is this is um, uh, it's a circus, um, and yet um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that the circus really be began with these allegations. Um, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, uh, in recent years, uh, it has been harder and harder for many people, uh, to accept that the court is really, uh, a non-political institution or, or, a, an institution that's different in kind from the political branches of the government. Um, I think, uh, the road, you know, we, we can talk, you know, persons, uh, partisans will, will point to different events. So Republicans will point to, uh, the denial of, um, a seat to Robert Bork back in 1987, uh, in highly publicized hearings. Um, uh, the, uh, the Democrats will point to, you know, the pushing through of Clarence Thomas, uh, in, in remarkably similar circumstances to what we're seeing right now. And then the Bush versus Gore decision in 2000, which effectively awarded Florida's electoral votes to, uh, uh, to George W. Bush. Um, and then of course, uh, recent history includes, um, uh, the Republicans' refusal to even hold a hearing for Judge Merrick Garland, who was nominated by Barack Obama uh, in the final year of his presidency after Justice Scalia passed away. Uh, the Republicans held the seat open for over a year. Um, the doing away of the filibuster with respect to first uh, lower court um, judicial nominations and then eventually the Supreme Court nominations as well. I mean, all of this uh, serves to reinforce the notion that, uh, the, that the Supreme Court is yet another battle field for the playing of our, 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 our bitter partisan politics. 
Um, that's unfortunate uh, in the eyes of those uh, who think that the court um, has served a useful role as a sort of supra-political institution in our nation's history. Um, and, um, and that kind of came with having some swing vote justices on the court for so many years. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have in, in recent years, we have had a bitterly divided court uh, where some of the most contentious issues that have gone before the court have um, have generated five, four majorities. We can contrast that. Not that there weren't five, four cases previously in our history. Uh, there have been. Uh, but um, we can contrast that, for example, with Brown versus Board of Education, one of the most important decisions ever handed down by the court, which really, um, uh, you know, started the process of dismantling Jim Crow. Um, that was a 9 nothing decision, and it was very, very important to uh, Chief Justice Earl Warren that that be a 9 nothing decision. Even Roe versus Wade was a 7-2 decision in 1973. Um, so my students are often surprised to, to hear that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, uh, you know, it, it is for many people, for many observers, getting harder and harder to accept uh, that the court really is somehow a law court that is separate from politics. Um, and that, you know, that that's going to prove to be a difficulty, I think, for the court as we move forward, because, you know, the court really relies on its reputation as being an agent of principle, an agent of law. Um, it doesn't have the power of the purse, so it can't uh, it can't pay judgments itself. It doesn't have the power of the sword, so it cannot enforce its judgments. It depends uh, on the rest of the country accepting its um, uh, rulings about the meaning of our Constitution uh, as uh, as as valid uh, and final pronouncements, um, and you know this does nothing uh, to help the court in terms of, of of having that institutional legitimacy. And we're getting these these Supreme Court justices that are young. I mean, how old are is uh, Kavanaugh? He's in his mid fifties. Yeah, I think he's fifty three. Maybe similar for um, recently appointed Justice Neil Gorsuch. Uh, Gorsuch. Yep, who went it's, to the same high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the yeah the, taking advantage of a lifetime of a, appointment. I mean, that means that, that half their it could be half their life in, right. with modern medicine, especially. That's right. I mean, we have justices who are in their mid eighties on the Supreme court now. Yeah. So that would mean we're talking 30, you know, more than 30 years if, uh, if they, if they choose to stay in the court and live that long. Uh, Merrick Garland was an exception to that. And I think that was part of the compromise. I think just, you know, um, President Obama certainly recognized uh, that Republicans were not going to be well disposed uh, to confirming one of his appointees in the last year of his presidency. And so he nominated Justice Garland, who at the time was 63 years old. He, he didn't nominate a younger person who would have been there uh, forever. But um, uh, I guess that that olive branch was not uh, accepted. Yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> I, I understand with um, Merrick Garland getting passed off because of being close to the old presidential election. And now they're saying the same thing about Kavanaugh with the midterms. Is is this something that's just spawned from the the end of the Obama presidency or was this a pre-existing issue? Well, um, it's something, you know, th those um, who supported what the Republicans did with Merrick Garland will point to a speech given by Joe Biden back in the 90s. Uh, um, that was never adopted as official policy, but Joe Biden at the time um, made a comment that suggested that, you know, the, the, the Senate shouldn't act after the June recess in an election year, you know, should an appointment um, be made at that time. Um, you know, so it's 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 something that's obviously been there, but there's been a real breakdown. Um, uh, we in the past uh, have found a path towards uh, confirming 
justices um, and, you know, keeping the Supreme Court's membership at nine so that there's an odd number so that you don't have a tie. Um, you know, again, that seems to be breaking down. If, you know, as we sit here today, we don't know what's going to happen with the Kavanaugh nomination. We're now just five weeks out from um, midterms that may well shift um, the balance of power a little bit in Congress. Um, you know, I would expect that if Judge Kavanaugh, um, if, if he doesn't, if he's not confirmed that the president will, will very, very quickly name somebody else uh, and they will try to uh, push that through before any change of power in president January. President Trump isn't going to sit there and wait on the sidelines. No, and, and neither is this Republican Party. Yeah, I mean, no. they, they've just been, they've I mean, been extremely uh, aggressive in asserting uh, the prerogative they see themselves as having, given that they control all the branches of government. Yeah, that's one of the big reasons why they pushed through to, with the last, uh, with the 2016 election was, we need to get conservative justices on. These justices are old, they're retiring, and are just in risk like Scalia, who passed. And it's... Um, that's that's why they're there is to get these conservative justices. Yeah, I mean this is this has been a major issue for decades. Um, you know, it goes back to Ronald Reagan who promised to appoint justices who would overturn Roe versus Wade. And this, you know, uh, for uh, uh, certain members of the Republican base, this has been um, at the top of their priority list. Um, and so, you know, with uh, with with victory seemingly within their grasp, um, I, I don't I wouldn't look for them to uh, <laughs> to to shy away from doing yeah, what they see as needing to be done. Uh, what do you expect to happen after the completion of the FBI investigation? Oh, well, you know, we'll have um, dueling interpretations of the facts. Um, I, you know, I've, I'm, I'm out of the prediction business. I, I don't <laughs> know. You know, um, j- as of now, it sounds as though the FBI can do what it deems to be appropriate. Uh, uh, earlier in the week, it sounded like there were some limitations being like put on the FBI. Three days instead of a week. And right. And, but there were, pre, you know, now I guess they can at least talk to whomever yeah. they want. Um, Instead of like four people was the initial thing that was pushed. That's right. I mean, it's, it's going to come down to a handful of senators. It's going to come down to Senator Flake, uh, Senator Susan Collins of Maine, Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, um, and perhaps uh, Senator Joe Manchin, who's a Democrat um, from the very red state of West Virginia. Um, and um, no predictions here. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Be sure to follow the Rudman Center on Facebook and Twitter or go to law.unh.edu slash Rudman center. Thanks for listening to the UNH Law Podcast. Learn more about us by visiting law.unh.edu. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire.